Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I just had an extremely spicy chicken sandwich seconds before recording this. So if my voice sounds off, it's because of the spicy chicken sandwich. Okay, my name is Belly, and I had a ha fake ham, vegan, vegan ham and mustard sandwich. So if my sounds, if voice sounds normal, it's because I've taken care of it. You had a vegan ham and mustard sandwich? Yeah. What is what is vegan ham made out of? Uh, fungus, I think. So you, you know, British people love to talk about how their food actually isn't gross. But you come on this show and you are like, "Hey, Ryan, great, great to be here. I just ate a fungus and mustard sandwich." Uh, okay, I'm 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 looking it up now. It is a it is a corn smoky ham, vegetarian smoky ham. Which yeah, it's it's made from mycoprotein, which is a protein made from a naturally occurring fungus. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've had a spicy chicken sandwich, and Luke's had golem food. All right, let's get into it. This week, we are talking about Facebook. This marks uh, a big development in the course of this show, which is this is now the second time this year that we have said we are going to do something in a different episode and then actually gotten around to doing it in the next episode, which is very exciting. We're going to be focusing on, I think, what we're going to be calling the my specification of Facebook, which is kind of a thing that we focus on a lot on this show, but we're really going to dig into like where we're at in the in the eventual death of Facebook right now. Before we get to that... Hey, Luke, how was crypto this week? Please, please, please don't buy an NFT. Please, please, please don't buy an NFT. Please, please, please don't buy it. Please, please, please don't buy it. Please, please, please don't buy it. Um, crypto this week did not feel good. I don't know exactly the right word for it, but it felt kind of... Um, you know, it's still selling its own hype, and I feel like that hype may be a little bit on edge. Like, I think, I I don't know, my instinct is that we're due a break pretty soon. Like, we're due some, the, the, the wave is going to break. There's a bigger wave coming after it. Like, we're not done. But I do think this current wave is is finding its limit. I mean, as all of the crypto accounts I follow on Twitter always say, we're still early, Luke. We're still early. We are still early. I'm sure we were doing this for years, but. Much like COVID, it just feels like we're the end of a wave, and a much worse wave is about to come. I do think we're at an interesting place with it, where on Sunday night, there were several crypto-focused Super Bowl ads, and the one for Coinbase shot the app up to like the number two spot on the App Store, which is pretty good. But what's really funny about crypto is that like as populous as it is, and as like meme-heavy as it is, it doesn't really respond like a like a stock would because the majority of cryptocurrency is owned by like you know five warlords so <laughs> like i i think there was a lot of people on monday morning who assumed like all right here we go to the moon let's do it we're gonna pop hard after super bowl and it, like it didn't happen because like the retail investors that are all going to coinbase right now like don't have enough power to to, to pump it 
like they could have maybe three or four years ago. Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting, I think. Uh, and I think is is makes crypto much more complicated than you would think it would be in that they can... It's, why do they have the retail power to pump GameStop and not crypto? And I think the market, essentially the market capitalization of crypto is so big now that at a certain point, like you kind of need more than a viral movement. And it's why you, you know, you can pump Doge or you can pump Sheeb or whatever, whatever shitcoin you want to pump. Like those are relatively easy to pump because the market cap is low. But Bitcoin itself, Ethereum, all the big ones, their market cap is low enough that it's not a problem. And the vast majority of people are in there as long term. Uh, there's a word for it and I can't remember it, but it's like position investors, like value investors maybe who are like not going to sell when it drops 50% because they're going to re they're going to hold on to it anyway. It's like trying to pump gold. <laughs> like it's just not gonna like, like you're not going to convince like treasuries to sell their gold. Uh, do treasuries still have gold? They don't, right? The UK doesn't. It's a, it's uh was kind of a proto internet meme. You know what? You um, know what? You know what the UK does have though. What NFTs? They seized them. We do. We seized all the NFTs. Well, that's because the proto internet meme was that Gordon Brown sold the gold, and it was a big thing, and there was a conspiracy about it, and he lost an election because he sold the gold. But it's fine because the British government now has NFTs to replace the gold. So, but no, I, I as I understood it, they seized it as like a tax thing, right? Yeah, basically, they they there was a. It, honestly, the NFTs are like the kind of the least interesting bit of it. It's just the fact that they could seize an NFT. Uh, but no, basically it was a, uh, a complicated thing. They were avoiding VAT. A firm was avoiding VAT and in, in the process, like exposed its assets to being captured when they found out that it was fraud. And so they captured all its assets, which included some NFTs. So it's kind of that thing of, it's not really the idea that like they weren't going after the NFTs. The NFTs were very much just sort of sitting in the corner as they went and captured as many assets as they could to deal with the people committing fraud or, sorry, correction, suspected fraud in the UK. Also, I should point out VAT is value added tax. It's what British people call sales tax. Yes, it is. Um, it, it confused me and worried me at great length while I lived there because every sign was like, help you sort out your VAT. And I was like, Oh no, do I need to be reporting like the vat of like my milk that I buy at the supermarket to the government like every week? Like, what is this? And then when you leave the country, they're like, say all the vat that you have. And I was like, I have no idea. Did I just, <laughs> did I just admit uh, to, to, to financial crimes in the UK? Cause I still don't really understand how it works, but. Oh no, basically, you know how sales tax works in New York where you walk up, buy uh, a bagel or uh, something else stereotypically New Yorkish. Like a taxi, I don't know. Um, when you do that, you have to pay a sales tax. So you're like, hey, here's my $1.20 that it says on the thing. And they're like, cool, that's $1.67. And you're like, why? And it's like sales tax. And clearly, they're, they're like, all of the bodegas are putting a massive marker on it. But that's kind of where you notice it most. In the UK, they just go, it's $1.67 and your VAT is included in that because it's a sensible pricing system. Oh, I do love that you are explaining sales tax to me, a guy who spent most of my life living in Massachusetts, which is known for sales tax Massachusetts is like a real thing okay well i haven't been i haven't been to massachusetts i don't know we all go over the border to new hampshire to buy alcohol that doesn't have sales tax on it right i mean that makes sense but also like are the prices still there you you go to the counter and then they give you a different price than's on the label yeah of course right that's stupid 
I was told as a kid that it's it's <laughs> and I never questioned it, but I was told that they don't they don't include the tax and the price because it would cause inflation. That's insane. That people would think that things cost too much and it would cause inflation. That is that is that is actually amazing. If that is if that is a true reason that people gave, that that's, is that's what I was told. I can Google it right now to see if that's really why. That's why isn't sales tax wild. included in the price? This is this is this is something that is Googled often. Why does a quora okay, we're going to quora. Why doesn't the US include sales tax and prices? And then the top person is in the UK we have a thing called the Sale of Goods Act. If an item is marked at being ten pounds, that is what you pay at the till. Okay. Which is so, good. That is the correct way to do it. So another person says a number of reasons. It makes the item appear less expensive when the pre-tax price is displayed. Some people have a psychological limit as to how much they will pay. It is for the same reason that items are priced at X dollar ninety-nine cents versus one cent higher. They probably know the tax will be added at the cash register. These are all just people just like saying the thing that they think it is. I mean, look, there are basically two options here. Is what that person said, which assumes that all Americans and companies are essentially, you know, uh, rapacious capitalists who would like to make as much money as possible and screw people over, or it assumes that the government cares about the overall health of the economy. And I know which one of those I believe. Okay, I got it. I got so a lot of these answers are basically just boiling down to Americans will not pay for something if it costs like five cents more on the on the on the thing. But I did sure. find one answer that I think actually might might be a, a reasonable point to make here, which is that there are lots of different sales tax in America according to the state you're in, which some don't even have it at all. So if you're like a multi if you're like a multi state chain, the price for your goods is the same across all of your locations. That's absolutely insane. That's even worse. <laughs> That's significantly worse. You you know what st the stores know what state they're in. Well, what if they don't, Luke? What, like they know they know they know, and it's like, hey, why does this cost more? And it's like sales tax. That's the answer. It's not a complicated answer. But it could cause inflation because people would think that things cost more, thus making things cost more. <laughs> this is just, how the economy works, right? Just don't make people do random percentages in their head as they're buying goods. Well, I think Bitcoin could fix this. You know what could definitely fix this? Ethereum, which costs a variable amount of money to transfer called gas fees that could range from $5 to $105, depending on when you're transferring your Ethereum. And there's no yeah, way to calculate it before you do this, the transfer. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that that is how you know that it will one day become the main currency that people buy, like, a bottle of Coke with. Because because it might cost you $100. Who knows? Casey Newton, the author of Platformer, a newsletter I'm part of a network with, he had a great tweet a couple of days ago about how it took him, like, five hours to try to transfer a bit of Ethereum because every time he did it, he didn't have enough Ethereum in his wallet to cover the gas fees, which kept changing. So he kept... <laughs> He kept having to transfer more Ethereum into the wallet, which then cost money to transfer to cover the amount of money that it would cost to transfer to the other wallet. And it went back and forth like this for hours. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 what is the point? Like, how is this? This is not a currency. This is a. <sighs> the point is to transfer money in a process in which it washes where it came from and where it's going. You know, it's to scrub away. It's to. To launder, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, it, yes. It, it effectively launders its path through the system. 
it, yeah, it effectively launders how it's moving around, which is a great tool for certain people. Hey, Luke, how is the internet this week? Um, the internet felt slightly paranoid. Is that a good word? Maybe, maybe not paranoid, maybe suspicious. Cause I don't feel like the internet kind of nothing, nothing major happened, but it constantly felt like it was looking around for something to happen. I, uh, I gotta admit, I struggled through garbage day, uh, on Monday because, uh, there was just not a lot going on. It feels like, uh, well, at least in, in, in large parts of America, it's cold. Uh, it's February, which is one of the worst months. And uh, the Super Bowl is on a Sunday, so most Americans were hungover on Monday. I was not, but it was still uh, – it feels like a sluggish week to the internet this week. I think we might be at the moment where, where people are also going outside again after two years. It's definitely happening. Uh, there's definitely sort of a break in uh, in variant waves, so people are trying to go out, but it's, you know, it's, it's confusing. It's a confusing time. No one knows if they're supposed to wear a mask or not anymore. You gotta, um, yeah, you, you've got to get your outdoor time in between waves. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Although we both were very excited about a Twitter thread that was posted this week that has since been deleted oh, yes. about a man who was lost in essentially an endless series of stairwells and, and back rooms. So explain this Twitter thread. So I am firstly extremely proud of this Twitter th- thread because I was like the eighth person to retweet it. Is that how I saw it? Maybe. Was it I was you? super early. Like, uh, yeah, I was really early on it. And I was like, wow, this is genuinely an amazing thread. I'm obsessed with this. Um, partly because, oh God, all right, this is the most depressing story ever. But, um, partly because, uh, on the Saturday, I had to do some spreadsheets and I'd done my spreadsheet sitting on the sofa and I forgot to put my laptop on a cushion. So it was too low and I got a like pain in my neck and it woke me up really early on Sunday morning. And then as I was getting, a painkiller to deal with the pain in my neck so we go back to sleep. I saw the Twitter thread and then I retweeted it, which, yeah, is a... Wow, that is very depressing. Yeah, but I did see a, see a Twitter thread really early, so, you know, win some, you lose some. Um, yeah, but it's, no, it's an amazing Twitter thread because it is a guy from a, from a guy who appears to be a, a Catholic priest. His name is William Yearout. His username yeah. is Yearout William. This Twitter thread that we're discussing has been deleted, which uh, we'll, we'll get to why that's suspicious in a second. But, uh, yeah, he looks like he's a Catholic priest. He was at some kind of convention or conference when he went to use the bathroom and then was lost for several hours in a House of Leaves-esque stairwell backroom system that appears to be both higher up off the ground than it appeared, but also larger and deeper into the ground than it appeared. It is. I mean, I'm sorry. I, (laughs) when, when, when. It's one of my favorite genres of Twitter thread is the thing where someone just gets quite randomly lost or stuck. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. remember the one where the guy got stuck in a, uh, 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 like a half pipe with a dog? Oh, yeah. I do remember that one. Yeah. And basically, I'm, oh, this was years ago now. Um, wow. I can't even find it now. That's so sad. But yeah, basically, a guy got into a, uh, a skate, oh, maybe a bowl. It was a skating bowl. Uh, but he also got in with like his dog and it was just far enough down and he didn't have anything to climb out with and he couldn't get himself and the dog out. Like the right. dog, it was, he could climb up himself fine. He could 
but when he got up, he couldn't get the dog out, and he was slight. He couldn't get the dog out alone, so he just he just ended up stuck in it, and he was trying to. He was getting in and back out to try and like build like a bridge for the dog to get out. It was great. <laughs> like it was, it's the perfect sort of thing where it's like kind of a guy just being like, "Hey, I'm I'm stuck somewhere. I don't know how to deal with this. I'm not in danger. I'm not at risk with anything, but I am stuck, and I'd like someone to help." Yeah, being stuck is really funny because it's also kind of terrifying, but it's also very stupid. Like, if you're just stuck in a place, it's like, oh, this could get kind of scary because, like, like this guy who got stuck in the back rooms and the stairs, like, I guess he could eventually starve to death in there or something, you know? There's not – you're just in a series of rooms. Um, my favorite part of the thread, which, once again, has unfortunately been deleted, but he finally gets to an elevator, and the yeah. elevator has lower-level LL – some sort of LD level above that, and then an E level above that. But then on the buttons themselves, it said E, I, and L, which is lie spelled backwards. <laughs> and then also his tweets went so popular that it started to break Twitter, so the replies started to appear above his own tweets. That's great. And then he deleted all of his tweets, so everyone's just like, holy shit, dude, like you – broke free of the earth simulation and then like the five dimensional hyper beings like made you delete the evidence i mean also i've been in that conference center like not that conference center but i've been in the conference center where you're saying like why why is all of this here and you realize that you're in an enormous space that no one uses really but for yeah. some reason this exists and you're just going through it and it's proper liminal space none of this should exist everything looks like it's been created in a like a video game back end that you've made into somehow and he also then so the specific thing is he was going up and down the stairs and the reason he couldn't get out what it eventually turned out was is that there are two separate staircases that like right. don't meet so one is the maintenance side staircase and one is the the people side staircase uh, and he just was on the maintenance one so everywhere he went was just kind of a back room or a back corridor and therefore he couldn't get over until he just crossed and got onto the other staircase which also was my favorite part of the thread when he rang the hotel lobby and was like, hey, I'm stuck. And they were like, oh, where whereabouts are you stuck? And he's like, I'm on some stairs. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, you're in the stairs. You're really deep. Cross over and then get out this way. Like, this happens all the time to them. I also love that, like, when he finally got to a window, he'd been going down the stairs for so long. But then he comes to a window and he's, like, several stories up. He's, yeah. like, seeing the whole city. And there's like a photo of his reflection, just like looking in the window, being like, "Oh my god, where? Like, what? What has happened to me?" It's it's a truly incredible thread, and it's so sad it's been deleted. I don't, I don't know. I I think he knew too much. I think that's the only answer here. Yeah, I'm 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 stressed about his bio. What is his bio? Well, he's gone private inevitably, but his his bio is. Uh, sorry, I've lost it. Not actually lost in a hotel. The story was for fun. And I'm like, I don't buy it. That seems like when you just want someone to stop talking to you. There was so much in that story, though. I mean, you think it's fake? <sighs> I mean, it's very hard to figure out whether or that, not. Do you think that, like, okay, so I'm not going to totally dox this guy, but, like, He's a theology student, and, like, yeah, like, I'm looking at his Instagram right now. Uh, 
He's like a pre. He's a priest. Would a priest just go on the internet and tell lies about a weird liminal space, Luke? I mean, he's a Catholic priest as well, and as we all know, Catholic priests have never done anything wrong. Oh my God, I'm like, how do you do that? How do you find a way to do that in every single episode? I just, I just don't know why. I, I, I don't think it's a lie. I think it's the. It is extremely annoying to deal with people talking like constantly about this stuff. Like I don't I don't think it's fictional. I think, you know, as with most of this stuff, I assume that he probably, you know, oversold it a bit and it wasn't ninety minutes, it was thirty minutes, or whatever it is. Like I don't think that it was it was that like dramatic as he made it. But you know, I I have no problem with people playing stuff out for Twitter. I don't think it was an overall lie, if that makes sense. Yeah, because like a lot of people like looked at the photos and like some of them are like, oh yeah, this actually makes sense. Like one, per- so at one point he goes to like a stairwell that just ends in another stairwell, and yeah. he was like, what is this? And somebody did comment saying it's to keep staff and guests separate during an evacuation, so like the guests would evacuate from one stairwell and then the maintenance or whoever would evacuate from the other, which like yeah. makes sense. And then other people were like, oh, here's how this like weird maintenance elevator works. So like it seemed. I think he, I think he was trapped in in the building, and I think he's embarrassed now, and he's become like a public figure, and he's a priest, and he freaked out. And now he's saying it's, incidentally, he's saying it's a lie to um, to hide it. Uh, well, someone has replied, and I, I, it's one of these things where I'm like, is this a meme I don't know about, or is this like a genuine <laughs> thing because American cities are like this? Um, is this real or not? Because that actually would add up, or is this a meme that I don't know about? Uh, I think that's. I'm now looking at. It. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure it's photoshopped. I, I think uh, it's a meme. Yeah. Wait, Luke. Hold on. Sorry. That's I'm not. I'm not being an idiot here. This is a. This is a. <laughs> this is a picture of like a 50 story building with no windows. You think that we have a 50? Where do you sto- think this guy was? Do you? But do you think that in a, an American city just has like a 50 story building with no windows? Yes. That seems like exactly a thing that would exist in an American city. You know, I said it out loud, and then I didn't even think about it. Yeah, you're right. Um, speaking of, uh, uh, monolithic structures to get lost in, uh, let's talk about Facebook. Yeah. Facebook had a great time recently. No, wait, the other one, a bad time. (laughs) That's right. Facebook had a pretty bad time this week. Uh, so, okay. To catch people up to speed, uh, basically Facebook's decay has been happening for a while and and longtime listeners of this show can probably think of several examples from recent episodes of ours exactly how bad this decay is. But the major thing that happened here is that Facebook cannot really track you as well as it used to because of a new feature that Apple rolled out, which is when your phone or your computer or whatever asks, like, do you want this thing to track you? And you say no. That means that Facebook now can't track you. And that apparently has really significantly cut into Facebook's ads uh, uh, because they are built to track you. I think what's also interesting is that Facebook. I mean, this is it's kind of a, a 
a specific wrinkle about Facebook, but they obviously have a lot more business in the the UK and the US and stuff like that. Um, but the CPMs in those countries are also a lot higher on, yes. on Facebook. Uh, like they are, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact thing, but I think the UK has one of the lowest CPMs in the Western world. Western world in big quote marks there. Um, but what by the, the losing the ability to effectively make a lot of money in those countries, they are losing significantly more than like the user base would happen because obviously most of the user base is also outside the US and the UK and Spain and France and all those countries, but they are losing a lot more money by not being able to attract those users specifically. I want to, I want to flesh that out a little bit just for, for our listeners who might not have a total understanding of what you're saying. Cause I think it is really <laughs> crucial here. No, no, seriously. So basically Facebook is an ads platform. That is what it is. And when people say, if it's free, you're the product, like in a sense that is actually true, which is like you use Facebook for free and then it takes all your data and it packages it into little pixels and packets and cookies and all the rest of it and sells that data wholesale to platforms and advertisers and other people who want to use that to, to micro target you with offers and deals and, you know, things like that. Okay. Yeah. And we should also say, I should also say the dream of that is like really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, my my parents um ran a, a shop selling like vacuum cleaners and washing machines and stuff, uh, and they could never figure out a good way to do advertising um because it was before the internet. So they would you know rely on like doing radio pushes when they had a bit of like they'd made just enough revenue to be able to turn that around and make it worthwhile, or you know buses ads on buses and all this and ads in the newspaper and stuff, this stuff, which is like not a good way to advertise. And they know it's not a good way to advertise because they don't really know who they're hitting and they kind of just have to do a sort of vague spread. And the idea of having something like either Facebook ads where you can be super targeted and be like, I know the people in my area and I'm telling the people who I want what they to get a washing machine or a vacuum or whatever it was, or be able to do, you know, Google um, PPC stuff would have been super useful. They never had that. And so I do think like there is a really good beneficial thing of the idea of being able to target people effectively on Facebook because people waste less of their money going to big corporations to try and turn around ads and you can track your revenue, you can track your income, all that stuff is is good. But yeah, it also has its problems. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, like I threw an event in October in New York City, we put ads on Twitter, we talked to people about promoting the show. We did organic promotion. All of it was fine. Twitter really was not worth the money at all. But no. we we paid like a little bit of money, advertised the show on Facebook, and like made a lot of money off ticket sales because of that. And like that's really unfortunate because like it's it's really cheap. You can target exactly who you want to target. And for the most part, like people seem to react to it well and they respond to it well. But What's really interesting is that like the way the advertising industry works is based on a metric called CPM or cost per meal, which basically is the amount of money per a thousand clicks or a thousand impressions or a thousand. It's a thousand impressions. A thousand impressions. CPC is cost per click. Right, right. So certain demographics, certain cities, certain industries, certain countries have higher CPMs than others. And that is all based on classist bullshit. And largely about like what advertisers will pay more money to get in front of. So I will say that's not a hundred percent true because I mean, 
one of the other things is people are like, oh, isn't it awful that you can divide audiences up like this? But kind of everyone's always done that. Like the reason that Super Bowl ads are super expensive is a that they're show to a lot of people, but also because they're show to the right people. Like you get a different audience if you advertise in, uh, I don't know, the news on CNN than if you advertise in a daytime quiz show. Like the two right. are different audiences, and you are kind of paying for what you think you're paying for. And typically, you know, you're looking. F- the classic is you want young people with a high disposable income. That's kind of what you're after, and then as you have a different if you have a different like uh product like you know you're selling life insurance or whatever you're trying to sell to 65 and older and so you're kind of premium those and the idea is is basically you know if you're coca-cola actually coca-cola is a bad example because they, they, they do mass advertising but if you're i don't know selling uh adventure holidays to, uh, to jump off cliffs or whatever you're going to try and aim for 25 six, 18 to 25 year olds if you're trying to sell life insurance, you're aiming 65 plus. Yeah. And yeah. so 65 plus are much more valuable to one person and the 18 plus are much more valuable to another person. So it's kind of, it's supposed to be a bit of a give and take where you can understand that, yeah, no, uh, this audience is more valuable to this person. They're going to pay more. And the idea is that ports, oh, cause that's always been the same on TV and it ports over into digital where you're kind of like, no, no, you're a super valuable, but like if, if you're a person and you have a bunch of different characteristics, if one company just says, I want to target all men between the age of 25 and 35, and you fall into that, fine. But if someone else goes like, I want to target all men aged 25 to 35 who are also looking for to buy a car right now, you're way more valuable to that car manufacturer who's trying to sell you a car. So they're going to bid more for you, going to pay more for you. And that's the kind of basic the principle of a programmatic advertising. You find the audience that works for you, and then you outbid everyone else to up to a point where you then no longer make the revenue you think you need to. Like It's not efficient for you anymore. And what, what I think is very fascinating about like Facebook's current model that is falling apart is that like, so in Europe, there's been a bunch of moves from the government, Australia as well, actually, to limit the ability for Facebook to use people's personal data to sell to advertisers. And in the UK and the US, there's been more sort of private companies getting involved with that. So like Apple's basically been the most aggressive one so far saying that like, we're going to allow people to turn this feature off. And that has effectively created like two macro markets for Facebook. The one that's to them more valuable, the sort of like more developed countries with the like fancier advertising options are becoming a place where they can't really do their exploitative data mining. Meanwhile, less developed countries don't have these protections in place, but they can't make the kind of money, you know, flooding Argentina with super invasive advertising practices that they could with the UK, which I think... Yeah, exactly, because, you know, stuff is more expensive in the US. Right. So if you... They're more... People are more willing to bid $10 for per CPM rather than $5, and Facebook get a bigger cut of that. And I think it it really outlines exactly how much of Facebook's business is exploitative and is predicated on using money it's making in countries like the US and Europe to dig deeper into the societies in places like Brazil, India, the Philippines. And that's all kind of unraveling at the moment, which is really exciting. I love I love when bad things happen to Facebook. It's super great. I will say that I love when bad things happen to Facebook. I am not a fan of desperate Facebook because desperate Facebook is terrifying. So 
So uh, what's a good example of desperate Facebook? Uh, desperate Facebook is every decision they've made since about 2013. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> desperate Facebook. Hey, what we need to do is like we're starting to lose – people are starting to spend less time on our site. What we should do is we should pivot to video. Um, people are uh, not enjoying those videos. Maybe we should pivot to live video, which keeps people on site longer. People are not enjoying that. Maybe we should fund content that makes them super emotional. We've done that. We've also put Trump in the White House. Maybe we should find some other way. Let's make groups. What we'll do is we'll make everyone talk in groups and then no one will, 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 everyone will be friends with each other. Oh, it turns out these groups are also radicalizing people extremely quickly. Okay. What we're going to do is, is, is to strip out all politics, politics. And now our con, our content is going to be entirely magicians doing pranks based around food in toilets uh <laughs> shit no one's on our site anymore i can't possibly figure out why yeah no i see what you're saying you're talking about facebook slowly eroding society yeah no that's definitely true the other thing that i think is really interesting here that we, we need to sort of probably pivot to talk about is facebook decided like a like six months ago that it was going to be a virtual reality company and that has <laughs> not gone well no So we're recording this on Tuesday, and earlier today, Mark Zuckerberg had an, uh, a virtual all-hands, which I assume he did I, via I, some kind of blobby, genital-free metaverse monster that he talks through. I pray to God he did it via the metaverse. Like, like genuinely, it's very hard to make a case for why you would not do this via the metaverse. This is the exact use case of the metaverse. Like, the one thing that he's talked about and he's been like hey company meetings are great in the metaverse i'm assuming right. that he did not do this in the metaverse which is just a demonstration of why it's a problem what if my like dickless blob avatar talked about <laughs> everyone's livelihoods uh so okay so according to alex heath a verge reporter who tweeted out some notes from this zuckerberg said that they will be transitioning from move fast to moving fast together and their value of be bold will be replaced with a value of build awesome things. And their newest addition to the company values will be focus on long-term impact. Ugh. There's more. Hold on. There's more because it's all fucking psychotic. Okay. So it's <laughs> more. The next one is be open is becoming live in the future. <laughs> and then, That's significantly worse. So uh, the previous value of the company, which was to be open, is changing to be direct and respect your colleagues. Hmm. Probably good. And then Zuckerberg said that the employees of Facebook and Meta are not supposed to nice ourselves to death, which that seems to be hinting at a company culture that like I don't know anything about. I guess like maybe it's like very it's a very fake place to work. So you know what this really sounds like to me? Uh, this really sounds like the bizarro Netflix culture. Where they have like radical honesty and everyone is constantly telling each other what they think of each other and it's fine. Oh, so, so Luke is referring to a process that I don't know if it's still happening in Netflix, but it was called sunshining. I believe which is it where is. You, yeah. It's where you would basically go to an employee in front of all the other employees and then proceed to put some sunshine or like put a spotlight on that employee's worst faults and behaviors as a way to like be radically transparent with how much you dislike them, which obviously didn't immediately become a, a very, very toxic workplace full of bullying. Yeah. But, you know, the idea of build awesome things, focus on long-term impact, live in the future, be direct and respect your colleagues, nice, don't nice ourselves to death. That, to me, that whole thing feels like radical honesty. Like, 
let's screen each other. Yeah. Wait, wait. So Alex Heath has one last tweet that I need to read in full for it to make proper sense in audio because it's it's unbelievably crazy. So Heath writes, last value, and I'm not making this up, meta metamates me. A slide shows this text in bold all caps next to Zuck talking. I'm told that Zuck said this without laughing and explained it had to do with a story about ships and shipmates. Meta metamates me. Oh my god. Okay. That is bad, but I have just been tr- I've just been trying to figure this out and someone has revealed the source of this. And I was like, wow, I can't believe another reporter got good sourcing in this. Not a reporter, the CTO of Meta unironically unironically replied to this tweet and said, fun fact, Metamates was coined by no other than Doug- Douglas Hofstad himself after an employee emailed him I- ideas after our rebound. Uh, I love it. Also, the saying is a reference to a naval phrase, which Instagram has used for a while. Ship, shipmates, self. I, w- I wish that our audience could see my face, which I could only describe as like... Uh, so have you ever like taken a sip of milk only to discover that it was completely curdled and, and, and totally yes. gone off. That is the face that I am making right now, reading this whole thing. And yeah, the, the, the CTO that you're talking about is, is, is Boz. It's, um, it's Andrew Boz Bosworth. So yeah, so ship, shipmates, self. I mean, also interesting, I suppose, that Instagram is referring to itself as like a weird navy, I guess. <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what I think is like so great about meta as meta is that like Facebook doesn't make anything, right? Like Facebook acquires things. Facebook buys WhatsApp. It buys Instagram. It absorbs things into its blob like structure. Facebook hasn't really made anything since we were in college. Like all of the major parts of Facebook, I think the newest one is maybe marketplace. But even that is just like giving a page to a behavior that was already there. But like yeah. the insurrection was organized with Facebook events. Those are what I used to use to go to house parties in college. Like there hasn't been any new widgets invented by this company. And yet their rebrand is predicated on the idea of all of us believing that they can like solve one of the most fundamental problems in the world of technology and has been since the 90s, which is how do you convince people to put a fucking stupid hedge set on their face? Yeah, but they're going to do it by saying we're a ship now. <laughs> I would love to be a metamate. That's what I, I, you know, whenever I talk to my family about how we want to consume internet content together, I say, wouldn't it be great if we could do this in some kind of other reality called the metaverse? Wouldn't that be awesome and easy to talk about and explain? Yeah, I mean, also, metamates is the worst name for like people who work for one company that I think I've ever heard. Metamates, yeah. Metamates is really bad. It's really bad. So while we're talking about like Meta's uh, numerous failures, what I didn't even know this happened until I did research for this week's episode. So apparently, there was a Foo Fighters Super Bowl virtual reality concert. During the Super Bowl. So Tech Radar has an article about this. It says that there was going to be a concert that you could experience via the Meta Quest 2, which is the headset thing. And it was going to be following the Super Bowl. But there was a bunch of technical issues. So apparently what happened, uh, this was collected in a thread by Twitter user Kent By. 
who wrote, there's a pre-recorded concert, but it crashed upon immediately starting. Good, good. Uh, there was no way to join until after 8 p.m. when it was supposed to start, but then by that point it had already crashed. There was no real link to even getting into the concert. Uh, There wasn't like a thing you could click on and it would take you there? No, apparently not. Uh, Kent By writes, the advertised at 8 p.m. concert didn't even add a join link until 8 p.m. There was not an intuitive way to get into the lobby because it had crashed, so nobody could even get into the place to get in. Uh, Jesus. What? To get into it required going into another part of Horizon, which is like the, their metaverse platform called Venues. Uh, and so some people had to figure out, like they got lost inside, inside the virtual <laughs> venue. So, so they've, like he, they've basically created the worst part of going to a festival, which is when you get lost and stuck somewhere and then can't get to the thing. What they've done is they've created that guy's Twitter thread where he's stuck in the convention center. Just I was literally about to say this. They, invent, they invented the back rooms. Yeah. So apparently once you did get in, you could watch a 45-minute pre-recorded Foo Fighters concert that had sh- been shot from two different 180-degree monoscopic cameras, which just looks like you're... Yeah, it just looks like you're watching like a Facebook Live video that isn't even live. Oh, apparently also it was filmed by people who did not seem to understand that they were filming in 3D. So there's like cameramen in it? Yes. Because they're filming close-ups, which wouldn't be used. Oh, boy. Because it's not – this isn't anything. This is – it's essentially a 2D video that you could watch – from afar so you could like theoretically (laughs) like also how did uh, see this is really funny and really interesting it's a problem i hadn't thought about with vr and concerts which is like okay so the foo fighters are playing in a perfect world with vr you could get up on stage with them but then if too many people did that it would be a complete disaster so Fortnite figured out that you could fix this by having a giant travis scott walking around yes so, so really what this should have been is like an absolutely massive version of the Foo Fighters playing, and then all your little Horizon people could fly around within it. Yeah, which is like, I mean, it's a very Fortnite solution. It's like, that's, that's how it works. But yeah, oh, of wait, course, hold Facebook on. cannot figure that out. Wait, hold on. Apparently, Horizon Venues, which is like the, the Horizon Venues is the concert program within Horizon. It has no ability. It doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't let you turn off other people's sounds and the the other noises what? coming from their UI. So like you're just like in there listening to other people. Oh, okay, I think they fixed this recently, but apparently like, up until recently you could just you couldn't turn off everyone else's sounds. That's yeah, that's bad. This is a nightmare thread. This is a this is like this is amazing. Oh my god, I've already tried to get to it and I can't get to it. Like, I'm trying to get to the actual thing, and I'm, I'm now watching an advert for venues, which... Oh, yeah, okay. You're... So I think I think the vibe of it is supposed to be, rather than a concert with everyone, you're supposed to be able to go to a concert with, like, a bunch of people, but you'll have, you're in, like, a small virtual room. Yeah, it's supposed to, it's supposed to simulate, like a, like, a private club show. Right, okay. That makes more sense. But I have to subscribe to something? What do I have to subscribe to? But, like... I have to log in wouldn't with Facebook. It, I've logged in with Facebook. Wouldn't it just be better to like watch a Foo Fighters 
YouTube video with like three friends on your couch? Yes. Like in what universe is this a better experience than just like playing a Foo Fighters video on your TV if that's something you want to do after the Super Bowl? Yeah, exactly. I've decided to try and watch this as while we're doing this, and I've now got to confirm my email address for the second time. I've entered a PIN. I've entered a password. I'm still not watching the Foo Fighters. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I just don't under... Like, and this is, this is, I think, like oh, the sorry, major... Now I'm going to watch Soundscape by f- Friendship. I don't What's know what that? that is. I don't know. It's not the Foo Fighters. Oh, now I'm back to the first opening screen again. <laughs> oh my god did you ex- like i actually didn't think this would be this bad but i am i am stuck in the the loop i'm stuck in the the the, the back rooms of the convention center again are you really are you stuck in yes. there right now no, i've i've i went through it i was like okay i'll subscribe to this event which i apparently need to do then i go through the horizon login to get to it i get to the horizon venues that shows me a trailer for the show that i can't watch <laughs> I hit get again in order to get the app. I'm sorry, I need to set up Quest now. I well, you don't have you don't I have did, Quest. I don't think it's. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I have at this point. I'm on a Quest. You don't, you don't have a VR headset though, right? Yeah, but I, I feel like I should be able to see the the, the the clip. It's just not showing me anything at the moment. Well, it turns I out you don't. The, it wasn't the, even filmed in 3D, so you don't need the thing to see anything. I'm watching the trailer again now. I've purchased. I've purchased something. I think it's. I think it's intuitive that Horizon Venues has uh, a, a two star rating, and more than half of the reviews are one star. Yeah, I mean, there's really. I don't. I don't understand what they think they're doing. Like that's that's my question. Here, is like, what do you think you're doing by doing this? Yeah, I don't think that they keep telling me I've got the app in order that I can watch the thing on. And then just circulate, circling me around to watch the trailer for the thing that I've already got. Yeah, I don't know. This is a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) So there's one other piece here that I think we should talk about before we end this week's episode. And that's, and it's almost like needs to be its whole other episode, but let's touch on it, which is, which is what is happening on Instagram right now. Good. Yeah. This, once again, could be like a whole thing that we do maybe in a week or two, which is that like static video memes have completely taken over Instagram reels, which is so fascinating to me. Do you know about this? I don't know about this. So this is just, this is bizarre because we've had this before in that yes. like someone just does a video. This is a Facebook thing, actually. Uh, back in 2015, 2016, where suddenly all yeah. you'd need to do was just do like a meme, a, a static meme, but just make it a video and then put it and it would do much, much better. So uh, Kaya Yurif, for the information, who uh, she's so good. I love her stuff. She uh, has a story out uh, last week titled Why Static Video Memes Are All Over Instagram. And what seems to be happening is that meme pages realized that Instagram was heavily promoting Reels content. So instead of making high-value video content, which everyone knows is expensive and time-consuming and annoying, they've decided to just turn their memes or their screenshots of tweets into videos that play for one second with no movement or anything. Which, do you remember, a couple years ago, there was a whole movement within the short-form video movement in which they would just put like a... They would put like a fireworks effect over... A, a, a static image to make it into a video? 
Oh yeah, where it was like because you wanted it to beat the 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 automatic sensors. Like you had to have some movement. There had to be movement within the first five seconds. So they would put like they would put like a like a spinning Joker face or like cartoon fireworks, and then it would just be the meme. And that was the whole yeah, post. That was the entire yeah. thing. So apparently that's happening again on Instagram, which is also awesome because like in the same way that Meta is revealing how creatively bankrupt it is as a company by pivoting into VR, which it cannot actually do, it is also becoming desperate enough to devour Instagram and kill any relevancy it has left. Yeah, man, it's 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 not in a good place. And I think basically the only good Facebook app is WhatsApp somehow. For now. I mean, mm. also like WhatsApp has like almost every problem of the Facebook family of apps. It's just that you don't see them all unless you're like in a large family group chat or something. Yeah, but it is also, I feel like, where people have conversations now. Like, like I was thinking this the other day. About, I, it's like, I can't believe that Facebook has driven everyone away from the idea of public sharing so aggressively. They're all having group chats. On, oh, yeah, no, okay, that's fine, actually, for them. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so so we have a lot of American listeners who probably don't use WhatsApp. I My, my girlfriend's Brazilian. My podcast co-host is British. I have lots of friends from outside of America, so I use WhatsApp pretty regularly. I also use Discord. I'm also in Signal, Telegram iMessage, of course. I will say, hands down, without question, the best chat app that I use on a regular basis is WhatsApp. It's awesome. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's I keep waiting for it to be bad, but it is so awesome right now, still. It's well known that it is the thing that, for example, Westminster runs on. Like, it is the entire way that British politics works. It all works in WhatsApp. Uh, it's a way that we run reporters if they're out in the field. Like, you can't use Slack because yes. it's not good enough. It's WhatsApp the whole way through, and it's perfect. It's fast. It loads well. I did hear a good tip that uh, all political journalists in the UK are in a WhatsApp group with, like, major party leaders who just feed them stories that way. Fun fun little uh, tip for anyone listening. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is exactly how it works. Like... <sighs> Not really too many lobby secrets here, but what the, the way that the lobby in the UK works is that most reporters have a lunch partner, which is another reporter from another outlet, uh, which means what? that, yeah, no, they have a lunch partner. Um, you know, it's a not, a, do, do they go to lunch together? It, they have interviews with politicians together. So a politician can meet with two people with one lunch and they share the story. That's why you see so many like co-produced stories in British politics. What? How yeah. did I not know about this? That explains yeah. so much. Yeah, Holy I, I, shit. I should say, this isn't like every story or even most stories, but there is a, you know, it's, it's a known thing that happens. At, that, yeah, people have a regular a regular lunch partner from another outlet because, you know, a, a politician wants to go to lunch. They don't want to go for two lunches. And so they're kind of like, fine, we'll have the conversation together. We'll share the story. Wow, that's diabolical. You guys, you guys are so good at doing less work all the time. Like, you're <laughs> yes. so good at it. We got a lot of newspapers. We have to like really be efficient on this stuff. I guess so. Wow. Well, okay. So let's end let's end our metaverse quest here with a simple question, which is like I've been trying to sort this out on my phone the entire time and I've not Are you still trying to do it? You still can't it's, do it? I think I may actually need to have the thing, but equally yes. it feels it feels like you used to be able to have do metaverse stuff by just holding up your phone and being like, Oh yeah, I can see the thing. It's weird that you can't do that. I just read that they're adding that in soon to your phone. Okay. Wow. So the question is, like, if if this was Ladbrokes, if we were betting on this, like, I feel like there's two options, right? Like, Facebook goes to the moon, and they make it work, and they actually launch this thing, and it, and it picks up. Or they just, like, slowly become more and more relevant until, like, Justin Timberlake or Rupert Murdoch buys them. 
Like, what do you think is the more likely outcome here? Well, it's, I think it's the classic, like, two year, 10 year stuff or one year, five year, I can't remember what the thing was, where it, like, everything moves a lot less in the next two years than you expect and then moves a lot more in the next 10. Which I think is probably what we're looking at here. I think in two years, we're going to be just nowhere close. Like, pickup is not going to be good enough. Like, people aren't going to have massive clunky headsets. But, you know, if you go back 10 years, what's that, 2012? Would you have thought that every single person will have, like, uh, an iPhone of the quality that we would have right now in their pocket? Like, probably not. That's a good question. I was thinking about, like... So, um... I've been thinking a lot about the last 10 years of technology because I'm putting together a course about it at the moment, which I'll give more details on in a second. But I, it is funny the stuff that like 10 years ago was happening that I just like didn't think about. Like I get, I think Instagram, I think the explosion of Instagram was the one that I really did not clock because Instagram when it first came out was like a fake Polaroid app for people to like drink PBR with. Remember, it was like before it got bought by Facebook, it was like the official app of Indie Sleaze. You know, it was like <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like a it was like barely it, it was it was used for like parties in Brooklyn. Well, do you remember the uh, oh, God, this is going to be every British person who is like our age um, is going to get this reference. Um Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the song now. Um Being a Dickhead's cool. I think we've I think we've talked about this song on this show before. We almost definitely have. But it's basically, you know, the perfect twenty twenty thing about like twenty twenty ten thing about how everyone's cool. And it was it had a line in it about a Polaroid app on my iPhone. And yeah. that was the, the the precursor to Yeah. Instagram. But that, yeah, that was the whole thing. It was like, yeah, aren't we like cool and weird and hipster? Uh yeah. I think Indices was, I'd argue Indices was mid noughties rather than 2010, but yeah. I mean, that to me is just like such a transformation that you don't, like, I never really thought about it. And now, like, Instagram is synonymous with like the most basic parts of culture, but it started as like a really hip app. I would not have thought that the app where people took photos of like their red stripe in London, London fields and put like a really aggressive filter on it so you couldn't even see what it was became like a fitness influencer app that everyone used for I don't even know what they use it for anymore, but everyone used. Gentrification, you know? Much yeah. like much like Shortage itself, it has gone from uh, an app to photograph yourself doing cocaine with to a place to drink green juice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, you're right. I I, I think like, as much as I want to gloat and dance on the coals of Facebook's demise, and, like, I will, and I will spend a lot of time doing that, I do think there is a, a universe, or a metaverse, if you will, in which, like, Facebook does pull this off to a degree, and at the very least, like, stalls long enough for someone else to do the work of breaking virtual reality out of the rut it's in and then they like they capitalize on that because facebook is pretty good at doing that they waited for other people to solve the issue of the mobile internet before they pretended like they had invented it themselves that's true they did all right i feel like uh i feel like i'm we're, we're, we're done yeah i'm good with that i think i think we're done we're as done as facebook are yeah uh hey luke have you consumed any content to stay sane this week 
We need to talk about Boba Fett. We do need to talk about Boba Fett, and we're going to go do that on post post credit scene, which is over at patreon.com slash the content minds. You can go check that out. First, we should give everyone uh, a, a single number score of how what you how good you thought Boba Fett was, and then we'll explain it. Oh, I'm going to give it a three. Oh, I'm going to give it a four. I was hoping you'd okay. like it more. Okay, fine. No, we both hate I it. Could, Let's do this. Dude, I could barely even watch it. All right, hold on. We got to save this stuff for the people who pay. All right, we're going to go over and do that. Thank you guys for listening. By the way, last week we we brought on an editor to help me out with the show. I'm the the soundscape that you're in right now is is me again. Uh, I'm I'm putting together this remote course with my friend Jamie Cohen. He's a PhD in media literacy. It's going on a platform called Chapter. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes this week. But if you like this show, if you if if you wish that it was me talking to someone who didn't have a British accent and had a PhD, you should definitely check out this course. Uh, it's it, it's I, I think it has a lot in there for people who like the content minds. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And we will see you next week. Bye. Say goodbye. Like in a more enthusiastic. Bye. Goodbye. Thank okay. God you're gone. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.